1: Hello and welcome to Reasons to be Joyful. I hope you've had a lovely summer and have been enjoying the podcast. Remember, if you've missed any of our episodes, you can listen at any time you like for free. Recent guests include Dame Harriet Walter, Jake Shears, Martin Compton, Lenny Rush, Diane Morgan. On today's episode, I'm so excited to welcome an actor whose work I absolutely love – from the Night Manager to Rogue One, and most recently, the following events are based on a pack of lies, which you can find on iPlayer, and is absolutely brilliant and terrifying, which, of course, we will be discussing today. I am, of course, talking about the wonderful Alistair Petrie. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, 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 yeah! Oh, we're rolling. Good. Oh, good. Okay. There we are. We're talking about sizes of heads... <sighs> The size... Now, so yes. we start... Alistair, um, we, there's so much to talk to you about apart from the size of your feet, okay. but I've just taught you something you didn't know. You so did. from your wrist to your elbow on the inside yep. is the same length as your foot and your hand span from the toe to the top of... Let's look.
2: Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll do it. Your hand No, you can with... do your
1: hand span now as well. From If you spread your from your third finger and thumb, right... That's the same span as your foot. Oh, mm. have you got very short
2: arms <laughs> oh, or small hands? hands. Okay, for having a fact off, this is something I found recently, which I called <laughs> absolute bullshit on the other day, um, was a friend of mine said that, you know, you have? A, do you have a dog?
1: I did. My husband's allergic, so okay. I've had dogs all my but you life. You have, okay. Yeah.
2: So dogs, when they go into, so they're on a walk in the countryside and they go and do their business and they kind of disappear, hopefully, into the woods rather than doing it right in front of you, um, which my dogs have got to do. They wander into the woods and then they look around a bit and then they circle a few times and you go, oh, I know what's about to happen. And then they do their business. And the reason is, is that they have an internal GPS system and they're looking to point north when they... So if you see a dog, I it, know oh, it's what Sorry. I say. Sorry. So when you get a into a po- when you get into, when they get into a basket, you know, you see sometimes dogs, you think they're just trying to find the comfy spot, and they're circling, 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 yes. and they get and they plop down. It's actually their internal GPS system trying to find north. They don't necessarily find it, but that's what their internal GPS is trying to do.
1: Who told you this?
2: Um, uh, a chef, actually, a very famous chef, told me that last week.
1: And you believe this famous chef?
2: Yeah, because I Googled it. Um, other search engines are available. Uh, I looked it up, and uh, he was right.
1: But what happens in the night if you move the dog without waking the dog? If you turn their bed around, will they wake up disorientated?
2: Well, because I've never got up in the middle of the night and moved my dog in a circular direction because I'm not psychotic, I don't know. But I'm now (laughs) going to try it.
1: Please try it. Okay. Um, Talking of psychotic, what a perfect way to go into what a terrifying drama you were in with the longest title in the history of the world.
2: Oh, that's a very good. segue. A, I love that. It's
1: yeah. Every, the, it's, the following events the following are based events are on, a pack, based on a, a pack of lies. Yeah. What an extraordinary drama. And it is. So you and I um, met on the radio show a few mm. weeks ago and I said to you, it's going to be the drama that everyone's talking about and everyone is talking about it. And I, it's so annoying because I, Boxed, it. Yeah. box set it. Yeah. Box-set, whatever the word is. Yeah. I watched it, the whole lot, because I couldn't stop. Mm, That's good. I wanted to know what was happening next.
2: I think that makes you the dream client for for all streaming services because yeah. I think there's there's very clever ways that they analyse data and all of that. So I think I think I'm right in saying that the sweet spot for a lot of when they do all their data analysis and stuff after the event is that they look at it and go, great. If you watched three in a row of a whatever however many episodes any series is, uh, if you watched three in a row, then they've got you. They think, great, oh, you completely
1: that's clients and that's great.
2: So that's thrilling to hear. So a good binge is um, sort of a bit like eating a lot of donuts, but. Very... I,
1: well, two nights I did the whole lot in. And um, your character was uh, beautiful. You, you are brilliant in it. You really are. Oh, um, beautifully portrayed, but showing vulnerability, uh, but uh, tr- truly evil, mm. but so clever. And we we hear about cons all the time. I mean, this is obviously this is a drama, but we hear about these stories all the time. Mm. Um just fascinating to play for an actor surely this is the the dream role i mean you've had many dream roles no no
2: it is i i i I agree um it it, on the face of it you you i mean i I remember robbie who did the first block first three episodes director the first three episodes he said um he said he said rather brilliantly said we're gonna have to are you up for doing lots of different types of takes because in a way because there's so many layers to who this guy is um, we'll do various different types of takes tonally. We'll, you know, we'll do serious and funny and all the rest of it. He said, "Are you up for that?" And I said, G- "That's just a dream director. Rather than going just, that's great, and then move on, or do it like this, move on." But you got, we got to play, which is a word that I think actors love to use a lot. Basically, <clears throat> given the time constraints that you have when you're shooting any kind of television drama, but um it was very much um i brought what i was bringing to it and then he would say try this and he would throw in these suggestions some would work some necessarily wouldn't but that's the whole that's the joy of doing you know what we do so it was it was a phenomenal experience but i think playing him i actually narrowed it down to one thing which was i decided rather than play a lie cuz he lies all the time I decided that he basically believes in the moment that he's saying something, he believes every single word that he says. So you basically
1: say he does and he has
2: to in a way. So, um, you know, lesson one, day one of drama school is um, play the truth of any given situation. And then and then you're sort of up and running, really. And that's what I decided to do. So in a way, I kind of someone who's so enormously complex, I sort of simplified it to to basically what he says in the moment he fundamentally believes is absolutely true. And then you kind of build from there.
1: Do you think con people? Because obviously, it's not just mostly men. men. Um, do you think they really do believe? I mean, with, there's so many uh, documentaries and dramas mm. about them. Um, Tinder swindler, so, so mm. many. I'm not going to list them all, mm. but they actually do believe their con, their lie, their world that they've created, don't they?
2: Yeah, I think that I think they do. I think it's. Um, I mean, as a psychological. Um, sort of study. They're they're extraordinary people. Um, my research led me to this amazing book. I think it's called The Innocence Game. Anyway, um, which was became a sort of bit of a bible, really, because this what he, the character I play, is is a sort of the the epitome of what she described as the dark triad, which is this thing, which is it, which is a cross pollination of psychopathy, narcissism, and um, a Machiavellism, um, which sounds you know, every shady real-life character rolled into one, but there's obviously vast spectrums of each. So a psychopath doesn't necessarily go out and become a serial killer. Um, there's a lot of, apparently, CEOs are quite notorious for having psychopathic elements. I think probably some senior politicians, I don't know, but, you know. And the um, narcissism. Because, and, and the narcissism, the, yeah. Machiavellism, but, yeah. but all of those things, when you combine those those three things, so a psychopath, uh, on its sort of simplest level, feels no empathy whatsoever, has no empathy Um um, but I think can read emotion rather brilliantly, um, um, a Machiavelli is sort of predisposed to do bad stuff and a narcissism will do everything in their power to um, maintain a public, their, their image. So any, and, uh,
1: and no empathy there either.
2: And no empathy there either. So you combine all those three together and then you've got someone that fundamentally... Um, I mean, <laughs> if you look at... You know, if you do look at certain politicians, they can be enormously convincing because you think you cannot possibly believe what you're saying. You cannot believe it. But I think a lot of them probably don't, but they're being pragmatic because it's a career that they're trying to climb up. Um, But I think we could probably, between us, name a small handful of politicians who I think believe the lie or a lie. um, And that is... Yeah, that's dangerous. quite super dangerous because it's also really convincing.
1: When you watch back, I mean, I love that just before we started recording, you said you actually watched the episode from beginning to end that yeah. was on TV last night. Do you do that often? Are you able to?
2: No, I think it gets harder as you get older because you start going, oh, my God, where did the years go? But, um, no, I like to... Um, A lot of when you ever do a TV, a drama or film or something, they usually have a cast and crew screening, which is the first thing that is on offer for you to see the work. So you're naturally incredibly curious to see it. You see bits when you're doing kind of post-production dubbing and stuff. But usually um, and very sweetly, they decide to have cast and crew screenings, even of a piece of TV and throw it on a vast cinema screen, um, which you, you go to because you're fascinated to see what the work is and what's been done also to sort of have a kind of happy cast crew reunion and that's always quite a laugh and then you sort of sit there slightly wincing and I sort of look at it as um as a semi-practical exercise I think I'm I'm curious to see um if I have done what I was setting out to do um in terms of sort of character that I was sort of trying to portray but I think oftentimes I'll, I can't, I mean, I will, if it's a casting crew screening in a cinema, I'll watch the whole thing, um, but I will usually have a hat on my head and I will look at the floor a lot. Um,
1: oh, that's interesting.
2: Uh, and then I'll look up and l- look at the brilliance of everyone else's work. But I sort of sometimes go, good, seen enough of my, yep, I'm, I think I'm good. I've, I've, I've got, yeah, so in that sense, maybe I'm not a narcissist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you let your, because your... Sons have been in a, mm. a drama with you. Mm. Do do they... do? You, and your wife is an actress as well. Mm-hmm. Do you all sit around together and say, come on in, everybody, watch my latest <laughs> bit of work? Uh,
2: no, I, I let them... Fi- I, they're fully aware that it's on um, inevitably. So... Do they watch it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 they do. Um, Yeah, they do. But inevitably, they sort of... um, The way we consume TV, I think, if it had been a few years ago, would have been like, come on, here we go. It's (laughs) eight o'clock. Let's all sit down because it's your only chance to see it. And now they don't. They they kind of grab it as and when. That's how we all consume stuff. So um, they... Uh, I mean, my 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 two twin sons um have uh, are in the states at the moment. They've been in there for four months, and so they uh, I don't think they've seen the Pack of Lies, but they'll be back. They're flying back tomorrow, actually, and uh, hopefully in their jet. Are they working? They are. They're working on a ranch. Yeah. Oh, not not Yellowstone acting. style. No, no, they they're, they're um,
1: working on a ranch.
2: Yeah, double denim and ten gallon hats.
1: Oh my word!
2: It's pretty cool. What an
1: amazing thing!
2: I know it's amazing.
1: Is that post A level? No. Uh,
2: yeah, we're post first year of first um, year of uni. university. Yeah, so um, yeah, four months working on a dude ranch in uh, the beauty of Montana. It's pretty. But good. how
1: wonderful that they to get that they're together. They still want to do. That yeah, together. it's it is
2: gorgeous. Um, it, when. Uh, I've got three sons. So um, my eldest is now 23, uh, and he's a VFX genius. But um, the other two are just sort of. I beginning. wasn't
1: ignoring him. I have no, going no, no, to to no. him. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted something. No, I'm contextualising. I'm, I'm contextualising contextualizing.
2: <laughs> only, only because this 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 kind of extraordinary thing happened with us. um they were born premature. That's something we can talk and about. And you
1: raised loads of money for that. You do yeah. funds and
2: But but um, when, um, after my eldest son was born, my um, wife Lucy had uh, a very early scan because she was considered, this is absurd, but I have to say it out loud, uh, she was considered medically a geriatric mother, which is just crazy because she was over the age of 35 anyway. So, um, and she had a very early scan because um, she had a series of miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy. Um, that's all out there. And um uh, our story actually is on the Born website, and I'm not doing this as a plug, but it's, no, it's, do it's, about, it's a kind of it's about a move. It is actually. I rewatched it the other day, and felt rather moved by it. But so Born is the charity b o r n e dot org dot u k, and our, our story is kind of on there with our twins. So the point I'm getting to is that when Lucy had this early scan, she was five five weeks pregnant. They did a scan, and whoever did the scan said, "Oh, um, yes, you're pregnant." And we were like, "Oh, that's amazing!" And then she said, "Oh, there's two heartbeats." And I said, oh, uh, right, is that is that Lucy's in the, the, the fetal heartbeat? And she said, no, it's two fetal heartbeats. Of course, Lucy and I couldn't believe our luck, and we fell over laughing, and it was great. And she said, uh, do you want to know the sex? Not, I think it's a little unclear. No, that's fine. And then she said, um, we said, well, inevitable question, are they identical or fraternal? And she said, um, they are fraternal. Non-identical twins. We were like, oh, okay. So having had a son, we thought, oh, maybe one of each or, or whatever. And um, we found out last week they are identical twins. Sorry? Yeah. You
1: found out last week?
2: So um, so I was doing a publicity thing um, this year, and uh, so the, the, the lovely person that was um, troweling on some stuff on my face um, to make me look vaguely presentable, um, that seems like I'm dismissing her work. It was against me, not her. Anyway. I was talking to her and she said, you have kids. I said, I do. I have twins. Oh, I'm a twin. Oh, are you? And I said, okay, inevitable question. Are you identical or or, or non-identical? And she said, well, funnily enough, for many, many years, we thought we were fraternal, my sister and I. Um... But we were given one of those DNA tests for Christmas and uh, as a bit of a laugh and I did mine and three months later my sister did hers and then they eventually got the results back and we were comparing, contrasting, different traits and then it said you have uh, a twin and she said well we knew that and then she clicked on the button and it just said identical. So they believed they had the same sort of news that we did when, um, when their mum was pregnant. And said, "Oh no, they're not identical." And of course, they look very similar and all of that. So, do
1: your sons look? Look. Identical. They
2: do. Yeah. I, it's most people have been very unshocked, um, but uh, so yeah, we we sort of FaceTimed them and said, "You know that thing that you did." Because we did ask them beforehand. I said, "Would you be curious? It'd be quite interesting to know, you know." And they're like, oh, "Yeah, it's fine." So, um, yeah. So, but,
1: that, did they? What was their reaction?
2: They were. I think they kind of smiled. They sort of. You know, it's, I think it's a similar to sort of saying to twins, you know, when people ask twins, what, what's it like being a twin? They go, well, I don't, <laughs> don't know, do it's do any different. Yeah. Um, so in a way, I don't think they're hugely surprised. They kind of brushed it off quite simply. And I just said, OK, the questions will stay the same. You know, oh, you're a twin. Oh, fascinating. Are you fraternal or identical? And if you say fraternal, I think maybe people go, oh, right, OK. Um, but if you say identical, people are like, oh, that opens up a new. Yeah, well, said, I so did it myself. I know, but like it is quite it. Start, it is quite startling. Yeah. Um, so, but then people, yeah, people that we've sort of mentioned it to recently, they kind of go, well, yeah. Like, um, well, okay, they have, but I mean, they're very different characters, but um, yeah, of course, they have physical similarities. I would, yeah. So.
1: And they yeah. and so these identical twins can go out and do a heck of a lot of acting work because. If one's not around, the other one can be there. I
2: think they can open each other's phones, which is quite entertaining. Um, they've definitely they've nailed that. Done. And I think at school they used to do the usual sort of swapping classes. To I think teachers were kind of quite keen on. I'm um, using their sort of twin skill set too to play tricks on other teachers. So um, I, oh, I, I think love that. they, yeah, it's quite fun. And I think one of the teachers at their at their I think at their at their secondary school they wanted. Uh, he said, "I've got this idea." Would it... Oh, no, they were working at a school for like a three months when they first finished um, big school. And one of the teachers just said, uh, I want to do this sort of thing as part of the assembly. What I really want you to do is because a lot of these kids haven't met you yet, so I want you to kind of walk in one and then walk out and then I want you to walk in the (laughs) other door and then I'll look amazing like a magician. Um, So yeah, they've had some fun with it.
1: So your older son, now we'll get to him, so he's also in the industry.
2: Yeah, I think there's a sort of slight terror with actors um, because it's sort of an industry completely built on rejection, so uh, you sort of um, make them aware that if they sort of show signs of wanting to do it, you sort of make them aware of the kind of practice of it, and it's um, it's not always a, a happy bed of roses. Uh, but I've always had this mantra of that 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 if like other parents of stuff have said to me, you know, can you give my offspring advice? They're quite fancy, you know, going to the acting game. The first thing I say is, you know, is it is it uh, is it the only thing you can conceive of doing? You know, is it plan A and that's it. And uh, if they go, well, I'm quite interested in marketing, I go, oh, that's interesting. Well, let's talk about that. And then usually they kind of start to go. But then I was having a conversation with a friend's um, uh, son the other day, literally three days ago, and uh, he's just laser focused. He, just, I just said, yeah, it's all I want to do. And, uh, you know, he's done lots of stuff at school and he's consuming it. And I said, OK, then here we go. Um but with my boys, it's yeah, they're kind of they're going to be in the industry, but I think in different sort of um, different, different arenas, um, which is great.
1: Uh, f- but it for you, I mean for them, they've seen their dad be in many things from hmm. Star Wars we have, we have to talk about Star Wars. Hmm. That's what my 16 year old said, you have to talk about Star Wars hmm. okay, I, will. <laughs> I will, I promise. Uh, but you from Star Wars to Night matter to to the, everything that you're hmm. in, um, things are you know around the world. Um, so for them, it's a job,
2: yeah, but they see, and it's
1: a job that you have been, yeah constantly em- i think, employed I think in. they
2: what they see, i think what they I hope that they see is hard work i that's what I hope they they sort of take from it, and I never take any of it for granted, I'm not blase about the work I do. I'm not cynical about it. i trying to get bitter about something if something doesn't go your way. And I also think they also see the flip side, which is, you know, when there's something, you know, a, a part that doesn't come your way, which you really wanted to do, and they see that, you know, slightly metaphorical sort of banging your head on the desk.
1: Has that happened to you?
2: Yeah, it, yeah, it has happened to me. Um, and uh, it was almost me not doing it. It was two of us in consideration. It went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And and they went with the other person. And I would happily say very successfully and rather brilliantly. And so now I look back on it and go, well, by not doing Getting that, something else walked into my life professionally which changed so many things, not in, ter- in terms of a career but in terms of the personnel that I now know and are in my life. And so you think, wow, it's a very philosophical...
1: But I like that. Know. That's a wonderful way to look at it because, I've, like you say, you're not bitter.
2: Not at the moment. At that, that at the time, you're just going, you know... <laughs> yeah,
1: why? it hurts.
2: It hurt, It really hurts. Um, but it's I
1: very think personal for an actor, isn't
2: very it? Very personal. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be because all casting directors and directors that making these decisions will always say, it's not personal. It's not because you're not right. It's not because you're bad. It's just a thing. But that's very hard to sort of rationalise. It's a very... Because it's a very kind of esoteric... Um, yeah, it's a... But, but equally... Um, all of us go through it, but it is, it's its is—it's—it's—it's an industry built on rejection. It, it is the Instagram generation of, I mean, it all looks shiny and fabulous. And, you know, you're, you know, sort of just go, I could, don't talk to me for two days because I'm just locked in my office reading scripts. Um, and, uh, you know, it happens from time to time. But a lot of times you're just going, ha, ha, um, because that's the nature of it. And it never changes. It just morphs and moves and highs, lows, waves and all that stuff. But you just, but I, but I love, I love what I do. And I was that kid that never conceived of doing anything else. So... Um, you know, and there's so much to still to do. And I think that's also a a, a lesson. I think I hope the boys see, which is a kind of a, um, an up and at it energy and an excitement about the work that I do and whatever they do with their life. I think I'd like to have instilled in them this notion of if you conceivably find something that you love to do, um, then do it and you, and you have to figure out how to pay the rent.
1: That everything you've just said, I can I completely echo, and loving what you do, and we're all very lucky that we're in that we situation. are situation. And I think
2: as a young, my nephew is um, is is beginning his career as as, as an actor, but he's um, hugely talented. He has he has worked you know straight out of drama school and stuff, and was was brilliant to get into drama school. But he's also very practical about the notion of well, you know what, I also have to work on a market stall because I need to earn pay the rent. Um, and I've got to keep the faith and resilience and all of those things in his bloody heart, but he's, he's doing it. And, um, and I think that's, that's the other thing you, you, you do what you love, but equally, you've got to figure out a way to pay the rent. And that's also important.
1: So important.
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's talk about Star Wars. Sure. What's it
1: like being a Star Wars? <laughs> rogue one i mean you're it's in really wars. it's
2: really cool it's really cool it is
1: pretty it's quite light. It, it? it
2: came about because um i uh <laughs> i got a call from my agent just going oh gareth Edwards is his this film and um would you um he'd love you to be in his film star wars film and i went great um I, my boys were a bit younger so they were teens earliest teens and i just thought you know what i said Imagine, I just said, just as long as I've got a line in a scene and I'm not kind of, you know, person on the left um, for for Rose back, um, as long as I've got a cool name and um, a line. And it means I can go to, um, you know, the local cinema <laughs> when it comes out with my boys and we can all just go, hey, hey I'm at dad in a fleeting moment. I'm good. And then my agent said, oh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be, I said, I looked at and they sent me the page of the scene and I said, oh, God, that's half a day's work. That's easy. And she said, it's these, it's going to be somewhere in these dates. And we were going on holiday in, in the UK, a UK holiday. And I said, oh, God, I said to my, wife, listen, I'll pop back for half a day and I'll shoot nothing. It's going to be, you won't even know I'm gone. Uh, and it turned into a year of my life, um, on and off, a year, because um, these vast budget things, you know, the script changed and then they go, oh, actually, that's, yeah, you're quite useful. Okay, cool. Anyway, so I got my groovy name and I got a lot more to do in it. Um, and it was, um, yeah, it's brilliant. You and did con- you go to
1: the local cinema?
2: We did. Watch it? Oh, you did? Yeah, the very first time I yes. was away. So they had a big fancy premiere at the Tate Modern, um, which I was very late to. I managed to make the party, but I didn't make the screening. Um, oh, that's screen- so showbiz. It was very showbiz. So I jetted in from wherever I jetted in from. You didn't? I did. Uh, you
1: jetted in from another set?
2: From another. I think, oh! I, was, I, think I was in Budapest.
1: Oh, darling. darling. Of course. Of course. Uh,
2: and uh, so I'm going to make it and make it. And I arrived and the screening was up and running. So they had two cinemas going at the Tate Modern. Um, and it was quite surreal because everyone was watching the film. And I arrived and there was just all these people who were dressed as stormtroopers that were lining this it was like hello hello or odd but there was and they said do you want to go into watch the film and I went yeah yeah no no yeah no uh, do I no do I no because I want to hear the plinky plonky music at the beginning that always plays at the beginning of Star Wars so I said no so I sort of leant on the bar for about um 40 minutes and then it finished and then it came out and the, the buzz was really good about it but um yeah there's it was. What was so good about it, amongst many many things, because you're a part of something forever. You are part of something yeah. extraordinary. But what was so brilliant about it is that um, the oh god, there's so many good things about it. Okay, but, you
1: Tell us. Well, Let's share the good things. I this is reasons was, to be joyful, after
2: all. It was there was there was this kind of insane moment where I was at a I was doing I did a, 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 I got invited to do a Star Wars convention. I was really curious about. I said, sure, great, love to. And you go and sign some stuff and you meet people. Um, and what was so gorgeous about the uh, the convention was that two things happened. One, someone um, had this pulled out this poster and it was a 1977 of the original Star Wars film and they'd mounted it. And it was a one with sort of um, Luke Skywalker with his lightsaber and stuff. Um, and they put it in front of me, and there was 500 signatures on it. It was amazing. And they, I was like, wow, look at that. And it had everybody from Harrison Ford to Carrie Fisher to George Lucas. Oh, my word. I mean, word. just c- crew, um, people that had driven trucks. I mean, incredible. And they were, go- they were compiling all this ex- this extraordinary document, in a way. And I stared at it, and I just went, wow, that is amazing. And I was going, God, look, there's, Carrie, there's Harrison Ford. There's, gee whiz, amazing. And then they handed me a Sharpie. And I looked at them like they were mad, and I went, "Oh, I can, oh," and I got to sign it, and that was a sur- that was a very surreal moment. But the second thing I found out about that I adored about this convention was that um, I think a lot of these conventions, like these comic cons, they're kind of slightly sniffed at, um, a bit nerdy and a bit um a, a bit sort of uh, yeah sort of slightly for odd people that kind of like going to see that stuff but what was be- really beautiful about it that there's so many people and i think a lot of not all, not all of and imagining but people who love the shows um be it star wars be it whatever um, um power rangers the huge at comic cons but what it does is it brings a community together. And I think a lot of people that go to these things or some people go are disenfranchised and maybe they're not cool, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. But they gather and they share stories and people meet and relationships have formed. And it's part of their kind of um, their sort of annual life going to various conventions or just one convention to gather, to meet friends, um, to hang out, share something that they absolutely love. And I found it the most Brilliant experience. Just walking around, and you just saw all sorts of people doing, you know, cosplaying, and um, in little groups, and their own different shows, and they've got style-specific ones, but they've got other comic cons that do all sorts of different mm. things. And I, I was, ju- I thought this is, you know, in life, if we, if we ever look for anything in life, we look to be a part of something, anything. Um, and I think that's very true about the, na- you know, the work that I do. I feel a part of something, which is a privilege. But I think those things as well are about being a part of something. They've they've found an amazing community and they love it. And all hail those events. I love that. Events.
1: I, I think that's why I wanted to ask you about Star Wars, because you were only very young when the first one came out.
2: First film I ever saw yeah. in cinema. Really? Oh. Yeah.
1: You never would did, Well, maybe you did. Did you think? I want to be in one of those. No,
2: but I described it. I one day on set, I went up to Gareth Edwards and I said, "Do you know? Do you know what this is like?" And he said, "What?" Well, I said, "Well, the first it was Salisbury. I was seven years old, I think, and that, I, I first film I saw in the cinema." And he was like, "Wow." I said, it, "It's like it's like getting out of your seat and walking down the aisle of the cinema and then climbing onto the stage and then just walking into the screen." I said, "That's what it feels like." This is surreal to me because also the wow. setting of Rogue One was the same time as the 1970s. So all the props, they're yes. all the same. And he just went, that's exactly how
1: I feel. I and love then, that and he And then we went that. back
2: to work. Well, he said, he said, Gareth said rather brilliantly that he did, he had to record, before we started shooting, shooting the film, he went to record James Earl Jones doing the voice in New York of um, Darth Vader. And uh, he's sitting in the booth and you've got... Um, James L. Jones in front of him facing, you know, the other way, looking at, um, I guess, lines that were on a screen or something for him to record. And, uh, he just said, can you imagine how that felt? And you're just going, uh, thank you, James. Yeah. Could you just do one more time for me? You're basically directing Darth Vader. And he said, that was insane.
0: I know it's very cool
2: so but that was that that was the tone of the thing and I think and that was the other thing I wanted to mention about Star Wars is that a lot of these big budget films can feel kind of not very intimate in their working because there's so many people involved doing their jobs um I did a film called Cloud Atlas and it it, it had a sort of a a, a slightly different vibe it was because it was so vast and there were so many people involved and so many producers and it was apparently at the time the biggest independent film ever made in terms of finance but it felt sort of quite, it didn't feel as intimate. The scale of it was so vast and people are going about their, their jobs and we were sort of dotted all over Berlin. But what they've achieved, I think, I think, I can't only really speak for, for Rogue One, but what was so amazing about it is that there was this kind of intimacy to doing it and intimacy to, to the working experience, which made it such, a. it wasn't just, yeah, I popped in and popped out. It was this year of kind of a rolling, the script was changing, so we reshot a couple of things just to sort of tweak it and then we did some reshoots, which are standard, um... And, uh, it was, you do, you feel very much a part of something pretty special and it wasn't just the, the, the making of it, uh, the being in it, it's also the making of it. And that's the thing I just love about when you go on to, um, you know, any kind of set, the best type of sets are the ones that are completely inclusive. And whether you're in for a day, um, or whether you're in for, you know, three and a half, four months, everyone is, is part of the same kind of ballet. So let's just, um. You know, it's it's going in for a day. I used to do, you know, you go in for a day and it's really intimidating, you know, to do one line in a thing. You're saying, can you please conjure up an immediate character right here, right now? That'd be great. Whereas if you're playing, you know, a leading role, you've got arcs to play and you know everyone on the set. And so your working day is a much more kind of effortless it's terrifying to come in for a day or a couple of days and so I'm, um, you know again it's another thing that i sort of try and instill if you know if i see someone's coming in for one day i know how they are feeling they're feeling absolutely basically terrified of getting anything wrong so you just go hey come on in join the party um and um, again, I just think it's uh, yeah, sort of a life lesson in there somewhere. Do
1: you know? Do you know what's so interesting? Hearing you talk about it, you said before about how much you love what you do, mm. and was saying about how blessed you are. But do you do you think? I, I mean, I I do. <laughs> so mm. I'll put it out there. I do think it's a a proper job, and I think it's very important. And I mm. think. More re- recent times, I think people now realise how important it is mm. for us to have that escapism. Whether it's watching a uh, nasty con man or whether it's watching Darth Vader, mm, there's similarities mm. in some <laughs> ways. Um, but but whatever it is, mm. we all need that. We need to be entertained.
2: Yeah, it's yeah,
1: and it so it is. It's something that we. It's a proper job. It's something we really need.
2: I make a. I kind of always. um, I sort of make a sort of self-deprecating sort of joke, and I I don't really believe it. But I always say, you know, (laughs) acting was not a job for grown-ups, but I think it really, really is because I I think to your point, I think you're. You couldn't be more right, um, because it was illustrated brother brilliantly in the pandemic which was the notion of what what did we do what did we do during the pandemic okay we we're all at home but we without trying to sound too poetic we all sought stories we we needed mm. stories because stories help us understand our place in the world they hold a mirror up to us and tell us They they help us understand things um and actually i did a talk at a school um not that long ago and i actually was curious i said well i knew the answer because it was obvious i said okay who in the last um, week um, has either listened to a piece of music or read a book or um, uh, watched a TV show or listened to a podcast or whatever? How many in the Last week, how many have you done that? And of course, everyone puts up their hand um, because we search out those things because they make us feel certain things. They make us feel safe. They make us feel um you know drama at its best sort of storytelling at its best holds a mirror up to who we are and tells us who we are it reflects things back at us um and it just it helps us understand the position of where we are in the world and it may and i think the thing of feeling safe and i think it makes us feel things and i i remember a friend of mine who just said i don't want to go yeah i mean he's a long time ago he said i don't want i'm just going to cinema to be entertained i don't want to go see heavy stuff about that. and i said dude that's fine that's fine but um you know, the serious things um also help us understand emotionally um who we are and where we are and what we should aspire to be. And so I think stories and 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 we do it instinctively. Yeah. We all listen to music, we all watch TV. Yeah, escapism is as valid as anything else, but stories are incredibly important and that's what we 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 searched. We were lost during the pandemic. Um and I think you know, the hangover from that is still is still curious and whether it is to escape or whether it is to learn something about ourselves, then stories are everywhere and that's why it is completely a job for grown ups.
1: And keep doing it because I've never oh, stopped. I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, let's now go to the to the charity side. Uh you and your wife have hmm. run you've swum. I mean you've, hmm. you've long swims. Not just a little swim. Long we, we, swims. We, we, culture, did, <laughs> <laughs> a very, very, very long swim. Um how long did what was the, the longest that you did?
2: Well, we um when the this was for born yeah for born yeah yeah the charity um um run by the very amazing professor mark johnson um he so we we decided that after our twins were sort of had been you know born prematurely and very nearly losing one of them um they were
1: very they were very very I'm tiny sure, yeah whether, they yeah. were
2: yeah um they were 10 weeks early very tiny indeed but um we decided. Okay, great. So we said to to the hospital, um, "What what do you need? We'd love to do something to raise some money for you." And they said, "Well, we love you know what we love. We love a couple of sort of V shaped breastfeeding um, cushions." And we said, well, "Okay, what else?" You said, "Well, we'd really like like a like a um, sort of a medical rocking chair because that's great for breastfeeding um, and that's so important um, if 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 you know the mother is able to 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 breastfeed because of strength and building strength for premature babies." And he said, "What would you what?" What would you really like? And they said, "Well, actually, an incubator." And they said, "Okay." How much is that? And he said, "Well, sort of plugged in and running. It's twenty-five grand." And we went, "Okay, then that's twenty-five thousand
1: pounds."
2: He said, well, what? "And also, just as a quick sort of back up to that, and why that was so perfect is that when they were when Lucy went into labour, um, she was taken to hospital in South London, and um, they were desperately trying to slow down her, her labour. I think, I think, I think it's for every." hour that the babies can stay in after labour begins with prematurity I think it gives you another effectively with this certain type of drug that she was given it, it, it gives it for every hour they stay in it, it affords another I think day or week maybe it's a day of, of lung growth artificial lung growth because lungs oh, are how the incredible. biggest yes. yeah so anyway, so she was going through that treatment and then uh, they knew they were going to be in incubators and they came in and said, um, oh, we found two incubators. And I said, great, where are they? Just down the corridor. Um, w- can I go and look at them? And they said, no, no, one's in, um, uh, one's in Norwich and one's in Birmingham.
1: <gasps> I said, oh, just, I said
2: well, sorry, oh. I, don't, I don't understand. Oh. One's in Norwich, one's in Birmingham. So, does, so what, what will happen is, is that she'll give birth, then they'll be transported by ambulance. One will go to Norwich, one will go to Birmingham. I said, well, how does I don't understand how that's going to work. And they said, well, the way it works is there's a list of emergency um, on our computer, constantly updating of where um, incubators are available. Um, and obviously, there's not an infinite amount of incubators. Apologies,
1: and, in my naivety, I had no idea yeah,
2: about this. So, so two have come up, and so that's what we're going to need to do. And I sort of panicked and said, "Well, how, how? But they need to be together, um, and also so Lucy can do what she needs to do in terms of being present, in terms of uh, if she's able to breastfeed, and and just we how okay right? And then amazingly, well not amazingly, but I had this thought. I said, "What about the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital?" Um, because and they said no there's nothing available there because there's nothing on the on the screen so I said I had a friend of mine um sadly sadly now no longer with us but he was a craniofacial plastic surgeon um an absolute genius and and worked on children both here and and in um you know developing countries to
1: to, I know who you're talking about he was an amazing man
2: amazing Martin Kelly so I phoned Martin um and just uh, and this was about 11 o'clock at night. And he said, it's not, it's not my department, but leave it with me. Um, I'll see what I can do. And then hugely, luckily about five more, well, however long later, um, the person that had been studying the screen, when I'd mentioned it to the people at this South London hospital, that I was going to phone a friend of mine who was a surgeon and just see if there's anything that he could do at all. Um, they said, Oh, it actually gave us the thought that we could. So we called the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, just to spec, even though it wasn't listed on the computer screen that there were any incubators there. Do you, you don't happen to... And they said, yeah, two have just come free. And she went, <gasps> book them, we'll have them. So we were extraordinarily lucky. So, yeah, so that was oh. a thing. So then, um, so then, okay, so flash forward, yeah, they, they got through their kind of first weeks of life in, in the Chelsea and Westminster. The care, NHS care, was unbelievable. And then uh, we set about raising 25 grand. And then, so we decided we would do uh, five physical challenges. One, I think we ran a marathon. We did a triathlon. um, But the big one was Lucy and I were, ah, I think this is true. I'm pretty sure it is. We are, were the first married couple ever to swim the channel. Swim
1: the channel. Uh, How long did it take?
2: 12 hours and 21 minutes. Lucy really had always wanted to swim the Channel. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal swimmer. She'd always wanted oh, to swim the It's been didn't? like this little sort of flickering, and I said, "Great, well, I'll do it as well." Um, why don't we both? Do
1: well, you are both very strong swimmers.
2: Yeah, we both That's swam. Stupid question. Yeah, a swam. we both. <laughs> but but I sort of said, "Great, I'll do it." You know, I'll do it for charity. No problem at all. But it's one of those endeavours that um, you need to. My God, it's probably like climbing Everest or doing something extraordinary. You need to really want to do it. If you go, "Oh yeah, fancy it," I'll do it for charity. It's so emotionally draining and mentally difficult. You need to have a real desire to do it. And um, so we trained for a year in proper grown-up training. And it's kind of ironic, really, because you need, the way you do it is the the sort of channel swimming rules are, you go, are you swimming trunks or a swimming costume, um, hat and goggles, that's it. There's no wetsuits or anything like that. Um, So to sort of have a a qualified channel swim. And so we were going to do it together or rather separate separate attempts but in the same calendar year and about six weeks out i got a shoulder injury um which i just thought oh this is great this is my out i don't have to do it um and it was a rotator cuff injury and the person who was training me just said yeah it'll hurt but you won't do it any more damage so you can do it you can still do it I
1: went,
0: <laughs> what? No.
2: I and then i um uh, but every time I turned my shoulder, it was sort of click. It was sort of you know you could feel it. It was just like someone just you know, pointing a needle. And I thought, if I'm going to turn my arms tens of thousands of times, this is and so I, I mentally absolutely fell apart. Well, there's no way I can do this in six weeks' time. And so um, I kind of said, well, I can't do it because I got this injury. And I just, I just, I, didn't, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And then Lucy said, well, what if we were to do it together? Um, in a relay, which effectively means that we go hour in hour out. So I swim for an hour, then Lucy can in for an hour. And um, what if we were to do it like that? And then she said, "I can treat it as a sort of a hardcore training swim, and then you will kind, of, you'd basically have done 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 it, a version of it." And um, you know, I'm sure our sponsors would be thrilled to sort of keep chucking us their ten quid. And I went, "Great, great, that's fine. Sounds fine. Sounds like a nice day out. I'll do that." So that is what Lucy and I ended up doing. Um, and. We were lucky. We had a pretty, pretty decent day. We started at seven in the morning from Sam Firehoe, just around the corner from from, um, Shakespeare Beach because of the tides. That's where we started. And we started on a sunny day at 7 a.m., where we could have started in the rain at midnight. It just depends on the tides. So you can, you know, get into the water and swim out
1: in the darkness. Just, it's incredible. It's an incredible thing to do. It was. It's a great thing. I mean, that's why I said very carefully at the beginning, you've swum a long way because Come in with that line, if you'd seen um, Joe and Will behind the glass, their faces just went... (laughs) Because they didn't know. That's what you're going to say. I have to
2: say, I have to, I have to do full credit to my wife Lucy. Because uh, I, I literally, in life generally, and and um, I just, I literally, um, and metaphorically swim in her her amazing slipstream. Um, she's an extraordinary human being, and if it wasn't for her, then I definitely wouldn't be sitting talking to you. So, she, um, yeah, it's uh, she's a remarkable human being, but. But, yeah, so we did it, and that was amazing. And then she had two solo attempts um, that year. One got awful hypothermia um, about six hours in, and uh, the second attempt, um, she got defeated by circumstance. And so that was the year done, and our babies obviously were tiny, and we thought, okay, next year, no. So I am i don't know whether she'll have another go for a solo swim. She would probably go. I don't She couldn't fit it in time-wise, but I still think the flame slightly flickers. Um even though she would say it probably doesn't, so I don't know. I I I I I'd, I'd, I'd love it actually. If um, would no, you Nicole do it joined. again? No, God, no. That was no. Quick.
1: That was a quick no. no there we go. No
2: desire to do it whatsoever. Lucy,
1: you're listening to no, this. I hope.
2: No desire. We did no. it, and it was an amazing experience. But to be the first married couple to do, ever to do it is kind of fun.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah.
2: So All right. um,
1: so you've done Star Wars, you've swum the English Channel, yeah. You've played a really nasty con man. Yeah. Um, so much more still to do Alistair thank you so much for being on the podcast
2: my god it flew by I've spoken far too much no that's what we wanted
1: if you didn't speak it wouldn't work that's
2: true I loved it thank you so much
1: thank you